the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a man sent by God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony that was given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize you with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. I remember when my kids were younger and how eagerly they waited for Christmas to arrive using an advent calendar to count down the days. There was something painful yet delicious about a child waiting for Christmas, wishing and hoping until December 24th when they can finally put out the cookies for Santa and the children fall asleep with visions of sugar plums dancing in their heads. We wait with anticipation and hope for many things throughout our lives. We wait to be old enough to go to school and ride a bike or drive a car, go to college. We wait to land a job or find the right person. We wait for a promotion, a raise, retirement. Waiting is a universal experience. I learned this week that in Hebrew, the word for wait and the word for hope are the same, which gave me new insight and understanding for when we sing, wait for the Lord, hope for the Lord, the day is near. Wait for the Lord, hope for the Lord, be strong, take heart. During Advent, we are waiting for Christ to dwell among us. Our longing is hope-filled and expectant as we yearn for all of creation to live in the fullness of God. In an article from the Christian Century, Richard Lesher writes this about the Advent season. Before Advent is a word, it is a sigh, a voice crying, a mood. And never more deeply felt than in these troubled months. Advent marks both the exhaustion and the hope of God's people. To me, and maybe to you too, it seems as if we have been in perpetual Advent these past nine months. Deep and frequent sighs unexpected tears, a mood to be sure. We are waiting, dreading, 
what health experts say will be our darkest winter as COVID-19 spikes and spreads across our nation. During this time, we are always waiting for Christmas, of course, but this year will be different without grandparents, cousins, or chosen family around our tree. We are waiting for a new political climate, new leadership, and a new spirit of cooperation. We are waiting for guns to fall silent in our city, for police brutality to stop, for racist systems to collapse. We are waiting for a vaccine, knowing full well that its distribution will be a logistical nightmare and the poorest will wait the longest for it. But waiting is not only for Advent though. Waiting is a major theme in the Bible. The psalmist sings, I wait for the Lord all day long. And Isaiah says, those who wait for the, wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. Now, the interesting thing about biblical waiting is that it almost always happens in situations that are bleak. People wait while they are in captivity, prisoners in a foreign land, defeated, expelled from their homes and their beloved city. It's when the prophets describe that they are living in deep darkness. Now, the early Christians were living in troubled times too. Paul writes a letter to the people of Thessalonica to a group of people who were experiencing great loss and adversity. Paul believed that Christ's return was imminent, so he gives encouragement to these new believers and tells them what to do while they are waiting for Christ's return. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. And now in Advent, we receive this same encouragement in our waiting as well. The Apostle Paul invites us to rejoice, pray, and give thanks as we wait the full unveiling of God's realm. Easier said than done, am I right? Mm -hmm. Rejoice always, but how? There's real pain and suffering in our lives, and we're not always happy about everything. Yet we have to understand that joy is more than pleasure, and it's more than happiness. Joy is a state of blessedness. Joy is possible even within our sorrow and pain. There's a woman that I visited last week in the hospital where I work who had um, revealed this to me about how to be blessed at all times. She was in extreme physical pain due to a fracture in her femur and she was isolated and alone in the hospital because we don't allow visitors anymore. As she was talked about her pain, she also talked to me about how blessed she was by God's presence in her life, and especially now during this time. And she rejoiced. Next comes pray always. This seems even more difficult than rejoicing, but praying isn't only what we do in church or around the dinner table. It's also a sacred mindfulness. I've heard it said that most of us are practical atheists. We live our daily lives without giving much thought to God's presence. To pray without ceasing is to keep in mind God's grace and presence in all we do. A sacred mindfulness that we are bathed in the presence of God. 
Finally, we are invited to give thanks in all circumstances. Maybe this one is the hardest one of all. But Paul didn't, did not say give thanks for all things. He said give thanks in all things. Prepositions matter. We give thanks for the presence of the one who is faithful, the one who walks with us in every circumstance, including our suffering. We give thanks because we are not alone. We are waiting for many things, some of which will come soon, like Christmas, and others that may or may not ever come. And Paul's advice helps us to live fully in the present, grateful for all that God has provided for us. And we may discover in a paradoxical way that what we are waiting for, we already have. And yet we continue to sigh and beg, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, is the beginning of a table prayer that many of us know by heart. Writer and teacher David Weiss wrote about this years ago, remembering when his now adult daughter, Susanna, was not yet two years old. She began to preside at our Advent home, he said. She went from adding her own amen at the conclusion of their table prayer to, on the cusp of Advent, beginning the prayer too. As David recounted, now, as we nightly take our seats and fold our hands, Susanna's eyes twinkle and she proclaims in an exuberant voice, come, Lord Jesus. And that's as far as it gets. But it's Advent, he said, and in this season, there is wisdom in Susanna's abridged table prayer. Of course, we, her parents and brother, finish the prayer for her before we share our meal. But it's worth remembering that before we even take up the prayer ourselves, everything essential to the season has already been said and done by a child, not yet two. Susanna already knows the truth of Advent. She beckons Jesus to come, and then she waits. Nothing more. And so it is with us during our Advent. We beckon and we wait, as Susanna does, with expectant and hopeful hearts. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.